0: How did you get into music
1: music so i i was brought up in a very musical family um, my mum's very musical my dad's very sporty but my mum was um musician she was a singer uh percussionist she played in national youth orchestra and things so when i'm one of five children so when we were brought up, we were all playing instruments um little fun track family mm. um so i yeah was basically just brought up on music, um, music all the time in our house and then I started playing the cello when I was like six but there's videos of me when I was five or whatever playing piano and just like all of us playing together. Um, And what did your mum play? So my mum was a percussionist um, Mm -hmm. but she was also a singer so she used to sing, she was brought up in Oxford as well, Um, so she used to sing gigs, well did gigs around Oxford, Um, yeah but then played percussion in National Youth Orchestra um,
0: so just purely classical.
1: Um, was singer? I don't really know what style of singer she was, but not a classical singer. Um, she actually sang with Cliff Richard. Really? <laughs> yeah, Cliff, yeah, Cliff Richard came and did, did a gig in Oxford, and her and her mate did joined in or something. Um, <laughs> that's my story for my mum. I love it. Okay. Um, I love the shadow <laughs> So I'm into Cliff. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's a funny story about her. Um, yeah. So just brought up on all sorts of music Um, and my mum loves musical theatre as well and that's how I got into musical theatre aspect as well
0: oh nice okay and then how long did you play the cello for?
1: so cello I started when I was six and then played I mean all my life and then I got more into production when I was like 16 maybe when I did A level music tech Mm. Um, and then I went off to uni and I kind of didn't really play the cello as much Um, I played on a few people's sessions and then I actually retaught myself last year for my sister's wedding.
0: I was going to say on your on your not that I've stalked you, but yeah. on your Instagram, I yeah. can see there's a cello in the studio, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. So I still play it occasionally. Um, I would love to play it more, and I think I'd just love to keep it going regularly, just to keep that skill yeah, going. Yeah. Really, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, retaught myself last year, which it's not easy.
0: No, it's not. It's a hard instrument. Yeah, it's like anything that I because I want to do double. I want to learn some double basses. Yeah. This year and when i play a double bass i'm like oh this is like a bass guitar but it's this way the other way and you start doing it and you're going you're going yeah this is great and then you realize that you think you're playing in tune but actually what you're doing (laughs) is you're playing in tune to yourself yeah right
1: no frets, and but it's also just technique as well it's technique of bowing like even plucking it's like yeah yeah complicated
0: yeah okay so um you went from playing a musical instrument and then you said you started getting into music tech yeah what was it about music tech that you liked
1: um i think i've always been intrigued about like the behind the scenes things like whenever you see behind the scenes videos like oh that's actually really cool i want to know how that was made or Mm. like production so i think i got involved in tech probably through theater um i was always in the show band for theater because i was a cellist and i wanted to be in the cast but i was like no you're playing the cello Um, and then I didn't really know what I wanted to do for A-level. I knew I wanted to do music because that was my life. Mm. Um, and at that point I was playing cello, I played the flute, played the piano, and I was also singing as well. Um, and then music technology started at my school and I was like, I have to do that. Like, I want to know more about Mm. behind the scenes and technology and that sort of stuff. So yeah, I ended up doing music and music tech, A-level, and just loved it, and I spent every morning in the studio, they gave me a key to the studio, so I was just in there, Um, ended up creating mixes for like the school house competitions and that sort of things. Was that what, Um, on Cubase? Started on Cubase and Pro Tools at the Mm. same time, Um, and then I didn't actually learn Logic until I went to university, Mm. but I mean, once you kind of know, one, you figure out the other pretty
0: easily. They basically all do the same thing. Exactly.
1: Um
0: people on the internet will disagree. But people as, far are... as, as far as I can tell, <laughs> they all sound pretty much the same yeah. and do the same thing. No,
1: I'm a Pro Tools girl. Like yeah. yeah. But I yeah, use logic a lot now. Cubase mm-hmm. I don't use anymore. But I mean that's getting more popular now. It's just... Well
0: it's interesting when I so when I go do stuff in Germany, yeah. everyone uses Cubase. Mm. And it's weird that, that I think, when they're like they're like what they're like. Why do you guys use anything else? Yeah, I guess it's a, it's the German company, right? I mean, so.
1: Cubase is huge now. Yeah, but I think it's come up a lot because I feel like it's a mixture between Pro Tools and Logic. Mm. Logic is great for software instruments, for programming that sort of thing. Pro Tools for me is amazing for editing, recording. Mm. Um, I kind of just know my way around everything in Pro Tools, um, and but to me, it's a little bit more scientific than logic. Logic is very user friendly. It's like you click mm. something and
0: it works. Mm. Like you want reverb, you just kind of turn it up. You know. I, I mean? also think it's what you're. You know, what, it's what you're used to, right? Yeah. Like, cause I don't like Pro Tools. Yeah. But that's only because I spent my entire life using Logic. Exactly. So when I go on Pro Tools and I want to have to like solo save stuff. Yeah. I'm like, I'll oh, screw you. Yeah. Like this is annoying. I don't have to yeah. do this. Ba-dum. No, there's
1: like, there's like five buttons in pro tools to one in logic yeah but yeah. but it's like once you know the shortcuts or that sort of thing it's like yeah so you just your brain's just full and of it's stuff. and
0: it's the industry standard although every everyone's using random stuff i don't, stuff at the I, moment don't I don't
1: know if it is anymore yeah. why well, well, it is in like bigger industry yeah but studios and things i feel like they're using logic
0: you get we get oh. more for your money as well yeah like oh yeah it's a lot cheaper <laughs> i actually didn't and i probably will have to do it Later this year, but I didn't bother renewing my Pro Tools yeah. license thing because it used to be that everyone sent me Pro Tools files, mm-hmm. but now everyone kind of sends WAVs. Yeah, and um just load it. My but I, I get it. I was only really using Pro Tools so I could get the audio off it and put it on Logic. Yeah. Um. But it's just like it's just what you what you're used to, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you learn on on Cubase. Yeah, and I remember Cubase. I remember having a sort of like all the synths having this a really specific sound to yeah. them. does that make sense it's like uh, the, the, yeah that, that. that, <laughs> that sine wave thing yeah. yeah um but i that's what i learned on as well yeah. so like i've got kind of a soft spot for it yeah and were you mixing then or were you creating music on it so
1: well? when well when we started doing music tech obviously it was a, it was coursework based So we had to do like a sequencing coursework a yeah. multi-track recording thing so all the recording was done in pro tools just because that's how my school did it mm. and then all the programming was done in cubase so we learn about software instruments and that sort of thing in there mm. um so weirdly we were using different programs for different things I mm. wish we could have just used one but mm. yeah that's how we just learned nice basically but...
0: and um out of interest uh how many other girls were there doing music well, I went, technology? I, I went to a girls' school. Right. Okay. So lots.
1: <laughs> no.
0: Okay. There
1: were three of us.
0: Right. Okay. Who did
1: music technology, and I was the only one that wanted to do it after. Yeah. Um, the other two were musical, but it was evident that I wanted to spend extra hours
0: mm. doing it because I don't know. And I think it's changing big time. But I actually don't know that many girl engineers, Mm -hmm. people who are into it at all. Not do I. And I think it's also the same with certain instruments. Yeah. Like, because I teach, uh, like, for example, I have various bass students. Yeah. And it used to be there was only blokes who wanted to play bass. Yeah. But now I've got more girl students than boy students. Wow. And the girls are kicking the boys' ass Mm -hmm. because boys are lazy mm-hmm. and girls are like <laughs> when it comes to I think I think kind of girls have actually have in a way better cognitive skills yeah. than boys in yeah. terms of learning I think boys are a bit more obsessive sometimes Yeah, but um, um like I've got a few male students who are just like like have you know yeah. yeah Um but I think all blokes are a little bit autistic as well so maybe that's part of it we'll sort of like laser focus on things Yeah, but like um yeah, it's interesting to see how many girls cuz cuz I mean many... it
1: is for me as well but it's but it, they're definitely the girls are definitely making a stand now. Mm. And there are so many groups being set up about female engineers and non-binary and that mm. those groups. Um but I have different opinions about it because the how do I phrase this? It's it's like, I've never struggled to get work because I'm a female. Yeah. And in my brain, if you're good at the job, you're good at the job, mm. regardless of whether you're male or female or mm-hmm. in the middle. Um, and I feel like some of the groups that are being set up, jobs are being offered to them just because... Yeah. They are female or identify as female. Mm. Um, and to me... I've never been de- declined a job because I'm a female, but if you're good at the job, you're good at the job. Absolutely. That's it. Yeah, and yeah. I work in a male-dominated industry, um, in theatre and in studio. It's like two different worlds, theatre and studio. Um, but I don't know. I just don't really have a problem about it.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's weird <laughs> that there would be a problem. Yep. And I'm come I obviously I'm not involved in the theatre world, but yep. I find that musicians are usually the least racist and least sexist people you'll ever meet. Yep. Because It's a creative
1: industry. It's.
0: Yeah. Everyone who does music is a weirdo. So you spend all your time with weirdos, right? Yeah. So if you don't like people who are different to you, then you're probably doing the wrong job. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, people are just who they are. And it's like, we do the job because we've got to a place where we can live by doing that job.
0: Yeah.
1: Of which is hard enough in itself. Mm. It's a freelance industry, it's a creative industry. It's like, Mm. we're literally doing our hobby Mm. as our job. Yeah. And making money out of it because people want to be entertained, mm-hmm. literally, that's it. Yeah, yeah, people pay us to entertain them. Yeah, um, and I feel like everyone is accepting it's. It's, I don't really get where the problem is coming from because everyone that I talk to, male, identify as males, mm. engineers or producers or whatever, they literally don't have a problem with it. No, as in, it's not a problem. No. As long as you're
0: good at the job, um, exactly. So the question is, are people? Are there people there who out there who aren't willing to put the time in to get good at what they do, mm-hmm. and then turn around and go, well, it's because of this or mm-hmm. it's because of that, and mm-hmm. you know, it's difficult and to know. I've definitely isn't been it?
1: in. I've definitely been in situations where the discussions have been had about whether we should give a job to somebody because they fit the diversity,
2: right?
1: Because, and I've also had that where i've been involved in conversations where oh you're 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 the person that identifies as a female in this department Mm. so therefore oh we fit all the diversity categories yeah oh we have somebody that's gay somebody that's a female somebody that is Mm. a different race that sort of thing and i'm like that's not right and i hope i don't have the job because of that and i know i don't because i've been there for how many years but it's um
0: but you're going to regret that decision when it comes to crunch time and if you've chosen someone who maybe isn't as good at the job yeah. and then things start to fall apart, yeah. you're going to be like, exactly. oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: that will soon be apparent and it's, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's a shame, but it's, it's a shame that people think like that. Yeah. But then again, if you come into a workplace or a certain project that is white male dominated, mm. then people are going to question it. But then also, have they got the job because they're incredible at the job?
2: Mm.
1: Which, yes, is probably the answer. But then people question, oh, why isn't there any other diversity in there? Mm. And sometimes it's like, oh, well, that's just how it is. Yeah. Because these people are amazing at the job, and that's why we've given them the job. Mm. Not because... But then people start to question it, and it's like, oh, questioning everything.
0: Yeah, I think... I definitely think there are some... (laughs) I'm coming from it from a perspective of someone in bands. Yeah, I've definitely been in the position where having people are worried about having female band members yeah. because they're worried that they're gonna get more ups like upset about, quite rightly, the offensive things that people say in the back of a tour bus, yeah. which are offensive yeah. and jokey.
1: Yeah.
0: In my experience,
1: which I, I, I get that. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, in my experience, though, like for example. Um, uh, so there's an a, amazing singer that I work with called Alice Armstrong. She's yeah. fantastic, yeah. and um, and we, you know, we always spend a lot of time gigging together and stuff. But you know, sorry, Alice, but <laughs> she's she's like more laddie than I am. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, she's more likely to offend me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I definitely, but and also, but the thing is, I think, I guess my point is, is actually I actually think that's load. That's most of the time that's kind of bullcrap mm-hmm. because. I've def I've been on tours and I've been in tour buses with guys yep. who equally get offended by everyone joking around and being exactly. a bit laddie, yep. and they're like, "Oh, guys, can you know what you said is really offensive," and that's yeah. fair enough because everyone's got a different line. But
1: good for them for saying it. Absolutely. And I feel like same for us. I've definitely said it in front of a bunch of guys mm. that I don't feel comfortable in this situation.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And they're fine with it yeah, because yeah. either I meant with them anyway, yeah, or I'll just leave that situation. Yeah, I just walk out.
0: And also, there's a way of saying to someone, "Hey." Um guys actually don't find that funny, yeah, and then them going then that gives that person an opportunity to go, Oh, okay, I'm sorry, yeah. and then you can move on exactly i think there's def- I've definitely been in a position with some people where those people have got really righteous because you someone's mm-hmm. made a joke about something mm-hmm. or done something silly yeah and and then it's just like, okay, cool, we've got you know yeah but it's it's a really fine line because when you're spending i mean it's probably the same with you, you're spending mm-hmm. hours and hours with each other mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. you get silly. And you make silly jokes yeah, all the time. Everyone does, yeah, of course. and everyone's just got a point where yeah. a line yeah. somewhere, and yeah, you have yeah. to work out what the, where the jokes yeah. are. But I feel like thing.
1: that's with that's with everyone. Yeah. But I guess people are more cautious whether it is a female in that male-dominated group. Yeah. Or... But then you never know, do you? No. You don't know how they're going to react.
0: In in one of the bands I play with, I play with this uh, German drummer, and um, I'm a Jew. Yeah. So were constantly making jokes about yeah. that all the yeah. time. It's constant digging at yes. each other. And it was quite funny. We were we were on tour somewhere once and we picked up someone who was joining joining the tour who we didn't know very well. Yeah. And me and him were making sort of these in-jokes all the time. And and then this new person who came joined in and started making the in-jokes too. And then right. it was super awkward yeah. because because we were doing it because we knew each other yeah, and yeah. it was coming from a certain place. Yeah. And they were making the jokes because they thought, it's oh, I joined they in it. as well. Yeah. And, they, and everyone was sort of turning around going like... <laughs> It's like, oh yeah. god, there's so What's much happening? nuance. Yeah, there's so yeah. much nuance. It's it's all about it's all about the nuance and the context of when yeah. people say things, exactly. at the end of the day. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we've gone on a tangent, we, haven't we? We really have. Um, we <laughs> Back were to talk- when I was eighteen
1: years old. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so after you did uh, music tech and you decided at A level, yeah. I guess, and then you decided that you really liked it, yeah. Where did you go next?
1: I still didn't know what I wanted to do. I really enjoyed media and creating that sort of thing mm. um and then i didn't really want to go to university um because i had no idea what i wanted to do and i didn't really feel ready to do that mm. um and like music was my thing like i didn't really know anything else um but then i found a university that was close by that offered a two year degree course um, called SAE and I ended so, up I think it's where I,
0: I may have met you possibly I even met you at SAE or, or at so, so Far Sounds yeah but when, when at So Far Sounds I definitely knew that I you think, worked at SAE I
1: think your band might have
0: I think we came to do a recording
1: yeah
0: at SAE yeah, yeah.
1: so I ended up that was like five minutes from where I lived at mm. the time um, and I yeah went there did a degree in audio production um, did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it.
0: You can say what you like now because it doesn't exist, does it? It doesn't
1: exist. The, the <laughs> Oxford one doesn't exist anymore. Um, I, di- I did enjoy it by the end of it. Yeah. At the start, absolutely hated it. Right. Because I came from a very, very different background to mm-hmm. a lot of people. I was the very privileged, white, privately educated girl mm. who got A stars at A level. Yeah. Coming into a you didn't need much to get into the into the course yeah um not sounding big headed but from the results i got from GCSE, i could have got in when i was 16 mm. it was that sort of um and i just wasn't used to that sort of not pressured wanting to achieve the best environment because yeah. people went just because it was a course and
0: interesting yeah so um, there were people there who were like i don't know what to do it was a bit of a I'll do, do music tech Yeah
1: on the other hand there were people that that is what they wanted to do yeah and looking back on it now there are probably about five of us from my class and those people stood out from the start that that's what they wanted to do mm-hmm. and we're the ones that are actually making a living out of it now yeah um there were 30 people in my class and yeah different environment
0: it's, it's very interesting you said that because I had a similar thing when I went to uni yeah that I was like I was really excited about it and I was you know i i i'd spend a lot of time on my instrument yeah. and i got there yeah. and i was like why why is everyone shit yeah why why can't you play the instrument that yeah. you say you're here to play
2: yeah
0: and i was all a bit confused and it yeah. was the same thing i think as you yeah. that like because you don't because the there's the, the the standard to get in wasn't very high yeah. and kind of anyone could join in yeah. and do it which is fair enough because i think i know some people who came in like started here yeah and then ended up here exactly by the end yep. but I think I found the same thing as you I found it challenging because I was like I just didn't
1: want to appear as big headed mm. and a bit of a know it all mm. but I kind of was yeah and because I knew a lot yeah um, I, I knew a lot about music because I've been classically trained since I was five years old mm-hmm. um, and so I knew a lot about that anyway and i got good grades at school Mm -hmm. and i pay attention and my work ethic is quite good Mm -hmm. so when we were set
0: assignments i did them to a high standard Mm -hmm. um and And what were the lecturers like if you wanted to thrive could you yeah
1: and i think that's why i then enjoyed it by the end of it because i made friends with them yeah they offered me work and i ended up running a studio with one of the supervisors there Mm -hmm. after and some of the lecturers who were in the industry anyway they would get me to assist on some of their projects which was great mm. um that's
0: exactly what you want from a university yeah is people who because i had the same thing in mind when i started i started doing gigs with some of the lecturers yeah and it was like that's what you want because they're just they're pushing you out into the place you want to be yeah. and then when you're in that place that's when you realize how fucking how how much you yeah. don't know yeah you start to go, Oh, I thought I knew everything, yeah, I don't yeah, know what yeah. the fuck I'm doing. But then at I all. started
1: to freelance in theatre then as well. So I would be doing
0: wow, okay. week long
1: shows or I in Oxford. Um and then the day I handed in my dissertation, the uni offered me a job there. Um so I ended up then working there for like a year and a half as one of the supervisors, looking after the studios. Um How was
0: it doing your studies and working in the industry at the same time?
1: Um bizarre <laughs> no it's because because we never learned theater mm-hmm. and obviously the jobs i was doing they were a lot in theater so i was trying to learn that industry as well um but also i think some people were like oh well like she's working instead of doing this group assignment with us mm-hmm. and i was like "No, no no i'm doing both mm-hmm. as in but if i get offered a job for a week on a show, mm-hmm. then please just understand. I am still doing the work. I just might not have to come to this meeting. Um, and you didn't think
0: ever at some point I'm gonna I might dump the degree no. and I might just you know no just jump straight in
1: no um because I have to I have to finish the degree I because that's
0: the way you wait the way you work yeah okay yeah as in I have to get first yeah
1: and I did yeah. Um,
0: You don't, you don't, obviously, you don't regret that decision because you had a job in, in the university afterwards as well. So, yeah,
1: no, I, I loved it and I love teaching people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you then taught in the studios, but because it was a flexible job, it still meant I could do my other projects as well. Nice. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do, I just still wanted to get experience mm-hmm. um, in the different industries and having that job let me do that and like I could still use the studios so I'd bring my friends in to mm. record in the studios when I wasn't working and the facilities um, there or the, the facilities, facilities
0: that were, were there. incredible yeah, yeah they were mad like
1: for university having that sort of equipment
0: um that some of like the, the big room you know the, the, they had the that big Genesis. room yeah and they had yeah. with the two rooms either yeah. side yeah. i mean that's that's like abbey road stuff isn't yeah. it it's it's the, humongous the, the
1: space was incredible yeah um and the fact that we got to learn on those sorts of desks with like outboard and yeah like you wouldn't, you wouldn't get that.
0: I think it's funny, like all that, that or learning to use the big desks and everything. Yeah. Because now, like I don't know about you, yeah. but like I'm I'm in entirely mostly in the box, yeah. other than my little spring. Oh as yeah. I showed you. Yeah, but well, like, well,
1: my little studio is my laptop. Yeah, it's like apart from in theatre, but there that's a different sort of desk anyway. So, yeah. yeah, and I
0: have like a ca- one cable that attaches yeah. my interface to my yeah. thing. Yeah, and so like it's it's like. It's, I think it's really good to learn how to do it on a desk because it makes your brain think you in a literally certain way.
1: Go from the top to yeah. the bottom, and you're like, okay, I now understand these signal flows. Yeah. Of the desk, how does it get into computer? Yeah. And it's like,
0: and a door is basically a signal flow, isn't it? Yeah. But digital yeah. signal flow. Yeah. But what I like about not having any of that stuff, having, because I learned to do stuff playing in studios, and then constantly asking questions, mm-hmm. and then and then doing it that way. Mm-hmm. But now I love that when I have a problem now, you can I just change the one cable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> when you've works. got a massive desk yeah. and they're like, hmm, what is it? It's not working. <laughs> and they're like, okay. And then you like change that cable, yeah. change that cable, change yeah. that cable. And you could, you could be there for yeah. like But I think
1: that was the good hour. thing about me getting the job after mm-hmm. because I was then looking after the studios and mm-hmm. teaching the students. We ended up doing the exams for like the student signal flow mm. um so it's like we were the ones that have to solve the problems yeah. so i probably learnt as much doing that job as i did on the course yeah because on the course it's like okay this time you're learning this you're learning this you're learning this you're going to do assignments in this 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 and then we move on to something else mm. and actually having that job was like okay step back a little bit do i actually understand the actual signal flow yeah of this sort of stuff
0: and there's always stuff as you find it's always stuff that's that you can't anticipate will happen.
2: Yeah.
0: And it could be the most random... Yeah. It could just be like, this USB thing needs unplugging and putting back in for yeah. no reason at all. Yeah. And the computer just has a freak out. But
1: I still have that now. It's like, yeah. I just did 72 shows of Panto and middle of one of the shows, the... we had a Mac Mini running main stage controlled by two USB keyboards. Mm. So I was just taking the feed out of the Mac Mini. For some reason, middle of the show, no signal. Searched everything. Oh, was the keyboard come out? Oh, was it something Has the swapped over the um, Y cable? Nothing like that. The Mac mini had muted itself. Why? <laughs> oh wait, because somebody had accidentally pressed the mute button. Mm. But why would we look for that? Yeah. Because yeah. it just randomly happened. It's like, you just, yeah, you yeah. just can't.
0: I like, I love, I love trying to, I love pressing things down, trying to make everything as simple as possible. Yeah. That's because, yeah, the, you just otherwise things can get in the way of the, the flow and the creativity yeah. of stuff yeah. um, so I guess at SAE um, you learnt loads mm-hmm. um, and you were teaching at the same time
1: so I mean it kind of turned into teaching because the students would come to us because we were the supervisors mm-hmm. um, we were obviously based down by the studio so if they had a problem mm. we would go in and explain mm. um, and I think for me just explaining in the simplest way possible and just making sure that they understand and just like being with them in case mm. they don't because they would bring in people from the outside, from the outside, um, they would bring in external people to record and like be in the studio. And it's like, you don't want them to have a problem no. with people who don't know the space. Yeah. So it's like, even if you hang out with them during their session, um, because we know how that feels when mm-hmm. something doesn't work. And mm-hmm. it's like, we want to fix
0: it yeah. for them or, yeah. Yeah, I, d- I definitely did. I've done quite a few recordings at SAE because yeah. as as you know they offered free recordings yep. for, for people who yep. to do stuff yep. and it's it always quite funny doing it because um some sessions there went really well yep. and other sessions yep. it's like the students are like literally just pat in, in like sweating yeah, yeah. panicking because yeah. it's like why is nothing working yeah. i have no idea why yeah. nothing's working yeah. and then they'd be like to us they'd be like uh, do you know why it's not working? Yeah. I'd be like, I don't know. It's yeah. just a Thirty-two channel desk, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a cell desk. I
1: remember. I just had a memory. I, I think I stepped in on one of your sessions. Definitely. In, in the Neve studio. I remember coming in and then being like, Oh, this is Little Brother Eli. Who are in the studio? I yeah. said, wait. I know you guys because I've done so far with you.
0: We were doing yeah, a live I session. I remember now. Yes. we were doing a live session and we we did two tracks off the EP that we had then, which the track was Tooth and the other I one can't those. remember
1: who was engineering but i remember coming in oh, i can't weird. remember either yeah. oh
0: it was i think it was a, a guy called jake if i remember Maybe. correctly um but that's yeah weird. and stuff not working yeah, yeah. i i i i find it funny like because when you're still learning to do that stuff when someone has a request that you don't expect yeah. it throws you off yeah. like if you're like oh can i um can i have the click track but can you change the sound of it yeah. or something and they'd be like you know, that. yeah, exactly, yeah. and they just freak out, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Or can I hear back what I just played? Yeah, yeah, in my headphones, and they're uh, like,
1: "Well, if you uh, come into the studio, uh, I can, I can do this, <laughs> but you have to mute <laughs> this." And then, uh... Yeah.
0: That. So yeah, it's um.
1: No, I enjoy problem solving when yeah. I know the answer. It's satisfying, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> There's nothing worse though when you can't figure it out no. and you're just unplugging everything. Yeah. And everything's just like yeah chaotic. Yeah. So um you did that and were you doing because that's where i met i'm obviously met you at SAE yeah. and then i think i think i probably spoke to you properly at some of the so far mm-hmm. sounds gigs yeah. where you were doing sound tech stuff yeah so
1: i got into so far through one of my lecturers at se was a guy called ian woman mm-hmm. who i have a lot to thank for all of my work
0: um a lot of people talk about that guy
1: Ian like, yeah he's amazing ian you're amazing um <laughs> a, a, a lot of
0: people who've gone to sae have, have said to me "Oh, it's this guy called ian he's yeah. fantastic because
1: he was he was working in the industry right um and he came in and lectured us in business i think mm-hmm. um but he was there for years I, I met him on an open day when i was 16 mm-hmm. and he will tell the story now where i was talking to him about scholarships to get into the place and he was like, hey, you you wanted to come in when you were 16, but you couldn't. I didn't let you. Right. Like, oh, that's it. Um, no, so I still work with him now, so that's how many years... 11 years since I last met him. Um, since I met him first. Um, but, yeah, so Ian got me to assist on some sessions with him. He was doing some live videos, and I just went just to monitor audio levels, and then he got me to assist on sofa, so he used to do the sound. Um, but he needed some help so I would go and just monitor the recorder Mm -hmm. um and then he ended up doing more photography so then I ended up doing more sound and then five years later it was just me on sound
0: fantastic yeah cool
1: but you just meet so many people there um yeah hence where we met
0: yeah yeah and so how long were you SE for
1: so SE I started in 2013 and then did the course till 2015 and then I think I left at the end of 2016 to do Panto, mm-hmm. um, to do a full run of Panto. And then I was like, I need to do something else. Um, and then I was self employed, mm-hmm. didn't have any work. Yeah. But I was like, I need to just do it because there were a lot of changes happening at SE and a lot of the jobs changed. And I was like, I just need to get out. Yeah. Essentially.
0: Yeah. Well, everything has it comes to a natural end, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. At a time.
1: Sometimes you have to take that jump and it's really scary. Yes. And it's like, you may not have any work, but you know you're going to get it at mm-hmm. some point. Yeah. Um, But sometimes you just have to do it for yourself.
0: Well, it's like what we were talking about earlier. Like,
1: yeah.
0: y- 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 being self-employed is freaky. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you find this, but like, I kind of think that like, because I do playing and productiony stuff and mixing stuff um and a bit of teaching and it's like actually i don't really have one job i just do a whole bunch of jobs exactly
1: the same Um, and i think even now i mean especially now i'm going through a bit of a what am i doing kind mm -hmm. of thing because mm -hmm. i theater and studio they're two 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 different worlds anyway Mm -hmm. and i'm heavily involved in both but it's like oh wait i do live sound for theatre, I love making musicals. But then, oh, I might go to London and dep as a number two and do the radio mics for that. Oh mm-hmm. wait, but then I do video production as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do audio production. Oh wait, I do some recording. Oh, I do some sound designing for museums. And it's like there are seven different industries on their own. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah.
0: I saw I saw on your thing that you did some some sound design for this for something called Whispering Woods. Yes, which I thought was intriguing. Yeah.
1: So the sound design. I love sound design, which is also like bringing in theatre world into studio world. Mm -hmm. You create that theatre world in in studio. Um, So that sound design for The Whispering Wood was for a museum called The Story Museum in Oxford, who I've worked with, well, I've had connections with for, oh, I don't know, for nine Mm years-ish, maybe. Um, So I started off just doing some story editing for them, um, cleaning up recordings, editing top and telling that sort of thing and then they asked me to sound design some of their new they did a big refurb so i sound designed some of their exhibitions um and one of the big ones called the whispering wood is all of my sound design which nice. is great it's like it's great fun so you
0: go you go through the exhibit and you hear different sounds and you press yes. a button and something happens so
1: the exhibition actually changed probably about three or four times. So I started it, the first one was done before COVID, mm-hmm. which was, um, you walk through, there's like surround sound, soundscape, which is going on, speakers above you. Um, And then there's trees in the whispering wood and each of those trees, there's a story. And originally it guided you through from each tree, like so. And then COVID happened and then we changed the exhibition um to a headphone exhibition mm-hmm. so there were still surround sound speakers but then we made it a timed like 20 30 minute piece where all wireless headphones people would literally be guided to the tree and it'd just be like okay walk forward like you'll hear that story oh what can you see now and mm. it literally walked you through so that was the set thing
0: so here's a question so are you mixing this in surround sound or are you mixing it in stereo well
1: the when i say surround sound in in the exhibition there are seven or eight speakers dotted around Mm -hmm. so i made seven or eight mono files right of which when i i worked out how they would work together when people walk through the thing so it's basically there's like a drone through the whole thing it's like a loop on a half Mm. an hour loop Mm. and then i recorded about a thousand whispers of like famous story phrases from everyone that worked at the story museum um and then that's why it's whispers because they're whispering the phrases Mm. so they are like sounds a bit scary (laughs) it's a bit weird (laughs) no it's cool i mean some people have said it's a little bit scary um it's not meant to be um, no, but that's like birds and okay, yeah, wind yeah. noises and yeah. forest, essentially. So it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we you're changed... You're recording
0: to... this yourself at your home as yeah. well. Yeah, well, and your studio. a lot of
1: it was... Um, I went to the story Museum, mm-hmm. so I took my little setup and recorded there. Mm-hmm. And then some storytellers came to the studio. Um, so we did it that way. But after then the lockdown ended, that sort of thing, we then changed it again mm-hmm. to... What is it now? People can freely walk around and then like move something in front of the tree and then the story plays mm-hmm. so it's less guided mm-hmm. um so yeah we changed that again um which is great now because mm-hmm. the original thing was to have like sound showers so that basically they're really directional speakers that when you're at the tree you can only hear that story mm-hmm. but they're really expensive um yeah. but now they've found a way to make it work in that capacity
0: so you basically I guess was there was there a level of trial and error, like, I think this is gonna work in this speaker, but I don't know until you actually do it.
1: Yes. So I wasn't in charge of any of the system things. Mm-hmm. It was like this is what speaker's gonna be in the tree. Right, okay. But also because of the materials the tree was made with, I had no idea how it was gonna sound. Yeah. So I did all the work and then I would go in and listen to everything. Mm-hmm. Um and just see if I need to change anything or... Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah Okay, cool. So you didn't have to, like, have a surround <laughs> system no. sound system. Because your... there's the whole... Because I know everyone's really into this Dolby Atmos thing. Oh, yeah. I I don't get it. Yeah. I don't see the point. Yeah. I would never ever listen to music in yeah. that way. Yeah. I, I get it for film. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. But, like, um, I know that it's a popular... Becoming a popular thing.
1: It's, it's getting massive. And I know this because we... Um, I work for a songwriting retreat company Mm -hmm. and we are looking into running masterclasses and one of the masterclasses we wanted to do was Atmos Mm -hmm. sound, so we went to the PMC speaker studio Mm -hmm. in London, they've got an Atmos studio um, which anyone can go to for free, it's great Um, and we learnt all about Atmos and just like how big it's getting Mm -hmm. I don't get the point in it it's it honestly it's incredible but it's like are people actually going to listen in atmos mm. but then people now are when they're releasing music they then do an atmos mix a dolby mix mecha- and it's like mm. okay
0: fair enough why it sounds terrible if you play it on normal speakers oh yeah <laughs> then, yeah then, then, yeah. Then, then, yeah
1: but it's like people have to have that system
0: <laughs> yeah to be able I, don't, to do it. I don't know anyone who has that system no. i mean i find it hard enough just to get people to listen to stuff on some speakers yeah let alone i mean i think bluetooth sounds like crap to me yeah um those little ipod headphone things sound like crap um
1: but then they're also so apple and apple have released their spatial audio oh yeah which is essentially what dolby is but it's just it's just fake yeah and it's really bizarre
0: when you like move your head
1: it's like well that
0: that existed for mixing for a while yeah I remember Waves brought out that thing that was like, you put your headphones on and then you turn, it tracks your head movement. So, uh, so you can be like, I want to mix as if I'm in this studio yeah. or I'm in that studio. I want yeah. to turn my head. But I was like, this makes no sense to me. No. Why would I want, why would I want to mix as if I'm in blah, blah studio? Yeah. Yeah. That's weird to me yeah. anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um. And B, you don't know what headphones I have. No. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> so I don't get it. No. But... That technology exists. Yeah. I think it's been around for around for a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same as you. I don't. I don't. I mean, it's get incredible.
1: It. But and and people now are doing listening parties for their releases mm. in those Atmos studios, and it's like you have that incredible experience, but then go home and listen on stereo. Y-
0: yeah, go Which, home and listen to on your iPad. like Exactly.
1: This. Exactly.
0: <laughs> the um, I don't think anyone is going to be like, let's put on a record. Yeah. And, okay, cool. Let's put it on. I'll just... <laughs> see, I won't move. Because if you have a listening party, right, everyone's got to be in the centre of the room. And even if someone stood next to you, yeah. they're going to block this. I don't get it. And no. personally, the way I do mixing yeah. is that I put, I sit there, I put my monitors up, I mix, yeah. and I walk around, and yeah, then yeah. I listen to it on the car yeah. stereo. And I Because you don't really get a sense for what anything sounds like until you move about. Yeah. And I find that... You want it to be like, I put this on at a party yeah. and it sounds good if I'm in the bathroom yeah. or, if I'm, or if I'm in this yeah. sort of thing. I think it's just invented by bored studio engineers who are like, let's make it surround sound because yeah. I'm bored of mixing I feel like stereo. people are
1: doing different approaches with it though. It's like, there's like the right way to mix in atmos an Mm. album but then people are taking it down the creative route and it's like okay how creative can we get with this Mm. so when we went to pmc we also went to metropolis Mm. and um one of the engineers i know there mike hillier he showed us in their Atmos studio and he mixes a lot of the Atmos stuff there but but some of the artists take it down the more creative route and literally move stuff everywhere that's cool that's incredible
0: like listen to it like you know like on on those old Jimi Hendrix records where he does a solo and it moves it's like that but like on crack like moving around your head so he was like
1: automating everything everywhere Mm -hmm. and it's like that's an experience
0: so how would you would you have to have basically the same set of speakers times however many speakers that you have
1: so it was 11 was it 11 or 14 I think it's 11 but yeah exactly the same speakers and then you've obviously got the subs as well but um,
0: surely the 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 fear of phase is like is that would that would you yeah. know like the sk- and where do you put the technical sc- technical where, it's where like- do you put the screen <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you know what I mean because yeah, you yeah. know like because I always have this this I'm mixed when I when I set my stuff up for mixing yeah. I actually have the screen far away from me so it's not in front of the speakers yeah. so it's not bouncing because yeah, I've got yeah. a big screen yeah but like
1: so in these studios I had laptop? they had the screen like in front and then a couple of meters behind. That's where the first row speakers were. Okay. So they had the center, the sides, the 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 so a, a small
0: up. speaker, I guess. A small a small um smaller screen. Smaller screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And
1: then side speakers, backs, the the, the upper ones. Yeah. And then subs in the middle.
0: So you're probably like front. mixing like you don't want to have your head down, do you? We, yeah. If
1: you're sat is in sat upright. Yeah. And then literally everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy.
0: <laughs> the calibration that must be needed, I, yeah. would that would hurt my brain. Yeah. Can you imagine?
1: Yeah. But we listened to at the at the PNC studio we listened to a recording with Gregory Porter that was done live. Mm. So that was recorded in Atmos, essentially. So the mic was in the middle and it was like you were there. Like incredible. So vocals the- and then full orchestra all around you, so it's like
0: you were in so it's not a, it's not a stereo mic that's being recorded with. No, it's a mic that somehow records things from multiple angles. Yeah, that's interesting, mm. isn't
1: it? It's like those binaural heads that you can get that do, yeah. do it in binaural, but obviously that's not.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm. I I I quite like I like stereo mics. I've seen some really cool stuff done with them. Yeah. Um, the idea of having a mic that can record everything that's around it, but it's not in mono. Yeah that's a really weird concept isn't yeah, that's it yeah it's cool yeah nice it's all interesting stuff mm. I'm just never ever ever gonna do it I imagine mm. it's just mm. not in my world mm. um, but I, you know I'm kind of old it's school it's a cool concept yeah I'm and if you get
1: the chance you can you can go down and mix it at the studio for free really then, yeah you can just go and they'll teach you how to use it wow well, I'll give you the content
0: okay that's cool <laughs> that's cool I'd, yeah, might, yeah. I'd probably be like I don't know
1: no, I, think, <laughs> because, I think because they're getting they're trying to get more people into it yeah it's like engineers that want to go down and just I, do a little bit of mixing
0: I love that idea that you said of a listening party where yeah. you're having this really you know cool experience yeah. I can imagine you know like with all the virtual like you can go see ABBA now and you see the, the Voyage yeah
1: I, I want to see it in
0: that in that environment yeah. I can imagine it or
2: yeah
0: on something like um Oculus yeah 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 something like that that would be cool so you watch your watch your favourite ba- oh, actually it's probably more like shows isn't yeah. it and you can look around in the oculus and yeah. you feel everything around yeah. you
1: but then again that it then gets really theatrical because that's what we do in theatre yeah we have all the surrounds mm. and then the designers decide whether to use them as effects or automate stuff mm. from speaker to speaker yeah
0: when I went to go see uh lady in black oh yeah and they had some really scary stuff yeah. happening yeah over there over there you. and yeah. behind you yeah. and I, I was genuinely scared the heck yeah. out of me because yeah. there was one point where something appeared uh, behind me and I do it this way and there was a woman yeah
2: behind dressed all
0: in black mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. I I was literally as a tear came out of my yeah. eye I was yeah. so scared <laughs> I was like I was like <laughs> Really terrific. It's really yeah. clever stuff, though. Oh, yeah. Really, really clever stuff. Yeah. So yeah. when you're um, doing your... When you're planning what you're going to do for Panto, yeah. is there a set way of doing stuff? Because I imagine, obviously, you want the vo- most of the voices in front of you.
1: Yeah.
0: But then you want... So I'll
1: design the system with somebody else, and this year he was also the sound designer. Mm-hmm. Um, So it's kind of deciding whether he wanted to use those surround speakers in his effects and things Mm -hmm. so generally we have like the front of house system um and then we'll add in more speakers to fill in the gaps in theater where the sound doesn't reach as Mm -hmm. much Mm -hmm. um but generally it's like vocals in the center split a bit between the front of house left and right band in left and right Mm -hmm. but then you also have the row delays as well so it's Filling the whole theatre, essentially. Yeah, I forgot
0: you have to deal with that. You also have to mix a band Yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So this year we had band with backing tracks, full cast, and then backing tracks had backing vocals on them as well, mm-hmm. um, and then click tracks that only the band could hear, so they can run the backing tracks.
0: And are the band, are they mostly... Um like using like digital amps and electric drum kits and that sort of thing so too loud.
1: yeah so this year we had electric drums with loads of hand percussion mm-hmm. um acoustic percussion um and then the md was the keys player he was also controlling the backing tracks mm-hmm. um and then we had guitarist bassist who also had usb keyboard that was Going into main stage on the computer. Drummer had a keyboard as well, um, and then they're all on headphones. Hmm. So I'll control all of their mixes, um, but they can all chat to each other. Um,
0: Out of interesting, boring question. Yeah. How do you transport USB over a long?
1: Well, so we had space. they had a computer
0: ah, okay. in the pit. So yeah, we yeah. had a
1: Mac Mini in the pit um, that was that just had a, Q- a QLab file that was sending triggers to my computer because yeah. all the backing tracks were on my computer um but then the mac mini was running main stage for the keyboard patches mm-hmm. um and then the guitarist had pedals and things that he did his guitar patches with um yeah
0: because i s- struggled to send usb from here yeah to and over there next door. Yeah, yeah because because yeah. it just it usb just craps itself yeah when it has to go No, too so far. The,
1: the longest was from yeah. where we're sat interesting now. yeah, yeah. Really haven't sorted that out yet. No, <laughs> Someone
0: hasn't thought of no some way to do it.
1: No. But then everything was network. Yeah. So it was network from me at the back of the auditorium through all of the stalls down there and then also network from me up to the lighting box and then network from me to the DSM who was controlling sound effects this year. Um these were Ethernet cables. Yeah. Yeah. Um so DSM had a KVM which basically is just display and mouse so she was just looking at my computer Mm -hmm. so we were essentially running at the same time Mm -hmm. um so any problems i can just step in um yeah mad setup
0: yeah and do you have to think of how it's set up or is there or is it set up at the theater already
1: i planned all of that Mm -hmm. um so i planned all the network setup um because generally it's down to the sound person to try and work out all of that and I came in as the head of sound for and that.
0: every theatre I assume is different. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um and we've done we've done it different in different years, but it's that's the most efficient
0: way to do it. And people are on in mono headphones, I assume. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So they're all on yeah. Um well they're just on headphone apps. Yeah. Um and then I'll just do their mixes. Mm-hmm. Um yeah.
0: Wow, not to think about isn't
1: it. <laughs> 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 My brain still hurts trying to think about it now. No, honestly, the set the setup is crazy. Yeah, for it. Mm. Um, and it is always going to be crazy, and you're always going to be on a time crunch. Yeah. Um, and it's just working out all the network stuff, and then it's working out programming the desk, which I do as well, and then working out the band stuff. Then it's working out all the radio mics, and just like, have you got enough channels for everything? Yeah. Crazy.
0: Yeah. So. Um, is this the first job where you've actually had to do it all, think of it all yourself or or have you had other jobs before where you've had to do this?
1: Yeah, so I've done it quite a lot but Panto was always the biggest. Mm -hmm. Um, So I used to be head of sound at the theatre and obviously then everything's down to you. Um, And then I got brought in for a lot of the Amdram shows, so Mm -hmm. the musicals, which were down to me. Mm -hmm. Um, A more simple setup than Panto but it's still... A big set. I mean, you've got an orchestra of 15-20 people. Mm. So it's trying to work out that then a cast of with like twenty radio mics.
0: So, out of interest, how do you go about miking up an orchestra? My my, my world is 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 mostly like rock music yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And and occasionally making some a or a, making a small string section sound like a bigger string section. Yeah. But how do you go about something that big? It,
1: it's a lot. But but it's but it's but it's exactly the same thought processes as you would use in a studio, okay. which is why I think my studio work definitely helps with mm. theatre because you learn about mics, you learn about sound theory. It's like you still have a full drum kit to mic up, mm-hmm. um, and then you've obviously got bass, guitar, whatever. But it's whether they then bring their amps, so you've still got the acoustic sound of the amps coming out, mm. and then you've got a full string section, you've got a reed section, um, but generally because it is an orchestra. They tend to mix themselves, mm-hmm. essentially, because that's what the conductor's for. Um, and you generally kind of just leave it. So you're generally just show.
0: doing... If you're going to mic it, just stereo miking the whole orchestra.
1: Well, I tend to mic ev- everything individually. Mm-hmm. So you've still got 20 channels. Yeah. Which, because the drum tends to put, put themselves in a booth, so that's very isolated. So yeah. you still need to bring that through the system. Yeah. And then you you kind of have to mic everything individually to get it through the whole system to reach the whole auditorium because obviously you've got a really loud acoustic sound at the front, but at the back of the auditorium and in the circle, you've not got it and you might lose the low end from the bass or lose some of the violins or
0: something. So are you micing up each section or each instrument? Instrument. Wow. Okay.
1: So I just did, I set up a production last week and then someone else is mixing it this Mm. week and we had 22 channels in the band which is like violin one, violin two, cello, bass, guitar, like yeah. everything individually, because yeah. then you then have the scope to turn up things mm-hmm. if it doesn't reach points of the auditorium.
0: And is it microphones or pickups or...
1: Mixture. Yeah. So keys are DI'd and then microphones on the strings, on the reeds. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it depends what the venue's got, yeah. essentially, and whether they have the money to hire in things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd love to hire in DPA clip mics. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. And then you've got the closest sound possible and you can do whatever you want with it.
0: That stuff sounds awesome as well.
1: It does. Um, But you just don't have that. Yeah. Um, So it's just using whatever dynamical condenser mines you've got and Mm -hmm. then drum set if you've got that or... Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mixture. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very cool.
1: But then it's working out the monitors in the pit as well and whether some people would prefer headphones. So then it's doing the headphone mixes plus wedges in the pit and whether... Yeah.
0: feedback sounds like it would be a yep. freaking nightmare
1: yep <laughs> and then whether they can actually hear the singers as well and whether then the singers can hear them properly
0: i think in-ear monitors are the way to go when possible yeah i know in my world and there's a lot of musicians who don't like to use in-ear monitors i totally get it because yeah. they're used to hearing having that thing on stage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with my band we use in ear. we have our own like basically our own setup or for in-ear monitors, so we turn up with our in-ear monitors yeah. rig and just plug into it and then we lovely. do our own thing. Yeah, that's lovely. But and it's great, but if you've not used in-ear monitors before, it's super weird. Yeah, yeah. But now I, I, I'm used to doing both, but I love using in-ear monitors. It's just, now. Getting,
1: it's just getting the mix of everything, isn't it? And yes. it's, it's, but then also feeling like you're playing live rather than in a studio. Yeah,
0: um, having a mic for the audience is sometimes good, right? Exactly. People like that.
1: Yeah. Um, and some people might want like the show relay mics or because they just want to hear the instruction mm. from everyone
0: else. I remember last gig I did with Little Brother Eli, I was at the O2, yeah. and it was a big, it was a really exciting, big sold-out show, it was yeah. really exciting, and I had my in-ears in the whole time, and it wasn't until the end of the gig when I took them out, and it was like, Wah! everyone I was screaming, was. Yeah. and everyone was cheering, yeah. because I couldn't hear people cheering yeah, in, my, yeah. in my ears, yeah. it sounded like people just going... <laughs> and a bit of me was going oh, this is not going very well yeah, is it yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. It's having that excitement of of the audience. Yeah. Um yeah. I guess for theatre musicians it's a bit different because they're not running around on stage. Yeah. So they don't need the, no. the they don't need the adrenaline yeah, rush or yeah. the yeah. ego trip yeah. that, <laughs> that I require. <laughs> Wait, the show, the show is just the same thing <laughs> well, it's
1: meant to be the same thing.
0: Yeah. So do you enjoy doing theater as much as you do live bands like record like doing records and stuff?
1: Yes. Well, I love mixing shows, mixing mm. live shows, musicals. Um, I possibly enjoy recording live bands a little bit less than that, but then I love all the other studio stuff. Mm. So I love working with artists, singer-songwriters, um, and sound designing, mm. um, and, yeah, the other aspects of that, yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you enjoy mixing, as in mixing a record on the computer? Yes. Yeah.
1: Love mixing. I'm going to cough. <coughs> um love mixing love editing
0: yeah love mastering <coughs> sorry is right
1: um yes mm. oh my god cough. <coughs> <coughs> sorry is right um yeah so i do a lot of mastering as well um yeah so that's good fun just like I, polishing I the record up i don't
0: get i don't do mastering. mastering it's it's like a dark art for me i can do it yeah But, like, it's not my... I think that's
1: the thing. It's like, people can do it, but it's whether they understand what they're trying to achieve.
0: I like mixing and getting someone else to master it because the problem I find is that I've already got it to the stage where I think it sounds Mm -hmm. really good. Yeah. And then I like to send it to someone else because But that's the sign
1: of a good mix. Yeah. But then also, I feel like people that mix their own records or other people's records shouldn't necessarily then... Shouldn't necessarily then master it.
0: I think I agree.
1: Because you've could because you've trained your ears to to get it to a good mix. Mm. And then it's like, oh, hang on. What actually do I need to change with this? Yeah. Which, you've got used to it.
0: Yeah. I think, like, with my own, with, for example, my own bad Little Brother Eli, mm. always get someone else to mix and master it. Yeah. Because I've done the demo. Yeah. Well, I wrote the song yeah. with Alex the singer. And yeah. then we did the demo. Yeah. And then we did the recording yeah. and by which point everything just sounds wrong to me. But
1: your, e- your ears have just adjusted
0: yeah, to how it is. I can't hear what's no. good and what's bad no. anymore. So if I no. send it to someone else, um, that's great. Although yeah. I think our next record, I'll end up doing it for purely for financial reasons. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I love, I love, and also someone, I love hearing someone else's take on a mix, yeah. right? They, you'll send it off and it will come back and you'll be like, oh, I wouldn't. I would didn't no. hear it that way, no. But, no. but now I like it more. Yeah. yeah. Um, or you say actually I don't like it. Yeah. But mastering it for me is a bit of a dark art, and I would rather send it to someone else to get done.
1: mastering. I feel like people definitely approach it in different ways as well. Yeah. It's they tend to have like their way of doing it. It's like if you send a, mi- a mix off to Metropolis, their online service, mm-hmm. it may not get as much thought as somebody you know who's a mastering engineer, mm-hmm. who then you'll send references to and be like, oh, I want it to sound. Like this, mm. um, because they turn it up. Mm. They add some sparkle. Yeah, they add some subs. See, that's that's and
0: the, <laughs> that's the thing. That's the thing because it's like so if
1: people say, "What's mastering?" It, yeah, that's that, what it that's is. what people say.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And it and it's it's maybe you don't want it that squashed mm. because I think people are trying to get away from that now. This whole mm. loudness thing. Mm. Um, but it's. I'm still trying to work out exactly different people's different approaches of it Mm -hmm. and like what they may do different to another mastering engineer because essentially they're trying to achieve the same thing Mm -hmm. but then it's down to their ears and what they hear in Mm -hmm. the mix as well yeah and it's whether they hear oh this area is a little bit muddy or or it does need a little bit more definition on the vocals or something but then they are limited in what they
0: do i think also mastering engineers (coughs) tend to have if it's, a, if it's a dedicated mastering engineer yeah they've probably got a better room yeah than than, than some of us but then do. it's also
1: their output as well if they run it through one thing yeah yeah that makes it sound incredible then somebody else hasn't got that
0: yeah um, and take machine, like the guy so the guy I use um, I'll show you some of his stuff mm. later Panerol panoramic mastering oh, yeah he's at, he lives in australia which, oh, wow. is, which is cool yeah, but he's yeah. got like he's got nice gear but he's also got like a tape machine and stuff yeah. so when i'm doing stuff that's more i guess the more rock stuff yeah just like nicely just squishes it all together yeah. nicely and if i ever have an issue if i'm like oh it's it's a bit compressed or there's too much high end or there's too much this or too much that yeah i can just call him and just yeah, say yeah. Can, can you change that and he yeah. just he just does it yeah immediately yeah I don't. I've never used any of the big mastering services. Mm. Have you?
1: I've used Metropolis quite a bit mm-hmm. because other clients want to go <laughs> down that route. Yeah. Um, and it they come back sounding the same, as right. in like I can tell what they've done. Yeah. And because it, it's the same for every record that's come back. Yeah. And, but it's like that's the Metropolis sound. Right. Okay. But then some mixes you'll hear on the radio, or whatever, and then you find out they've been mastered at Metropolis. It's like yeah. Okay. It's it's just it's just something. Of... <laughs> Something about the way they'll squash it, make it as loud as possible. Yeah. And I hate that shit. Sparkle and sub.
0: I hate, I hate it when it when things come back sounding overly compressed.
1: I mean, listen to Ed Sheeran's album, couple of albums ago.
0: Ugh.
1: I can't remember what it is, but it's actually distorting. Yeah. Because of how loud they've tried to make it. But then other records I've got back from the Metropolis stuff, they sound amazing. Because they are loud, but it's also there's still the movement in there.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like the idea that people are sending stuff in and they've got like a preset <laughs> and they just click in a preset. And I mean, it, 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 takes like a, isotope or something. it takes them half an hour, right? Okay, not even that probably. Yeah, yeah. So, uh,
1: and then you, and then you pay two hundred pad.
0: Yeah, it's, which is a lot for mastering, isn't it? You know, because mar- I mean I don't know a lot about it, but I think mastering doesn't take as long as mixing a record. Because no. if I'm mixing a record, I probably spend per. On average, i probably spend a day on each track, probably. Let's yeah. say a, it takes me a day to to, yeah, yeah. to get it to the point where I want but it. But it's not
1: even that. It's like you'll then come back to it the next day with fresh ears and be like,
0: Like, what the oh, fuck I was I doing?
1: <laughs> yeah. Because you can't, you can't, for me, I'll struggle to spend a whole day doing it because I'm like, okay, I've now hit this point where I don't know what to do. Yeah. So then you come back the next day and it's like, oh, you can hear that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Something like really obvious as well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I find that um, I spend quite a lot of time I know other people don't do this but I spend a lot of time listening to other records yeah because like I'll put on I don't know something mixed by Andy Wallace or yeah. something like or something generic something yeah. like Smells Like Teen Spirit I'll yeah. put on and I'll go oh
1: hang on
0: okay this sounds great yeah okay my record has to sound as good as this yeah if I can get it there yeah I've, a lot of it has to do you know cause Nirvana were really good so it's not going to sound as good yeah. as Nirvana yeah, but yeah, like yeah. I don't know if you do that, like listening to listening to a lot of other things. was yeah, definitely. Out what's going but then it's on. also
1: listening to it with the artist as well and yeah. what they like yeah. in certain things. And if I found that if I'm producing a record with an artist, I'll always start. Okay, what do you like? Like what records mm. do you like at the minute? Like mm. artists, that sort of thing. What do you like in that record? Mm. Because in some records they might just like the bass. Mm. They like the way they, they like the bass tone, or mm. they like. Yeah, the production on the bass or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, they like the vocal production in this song. So it's like trying to create them. And then when you do them reference, it's listening to those different aspects.
0: It's interesting that you say that because actually some people say, I want it to sound like this, but they want yeah, a specific but why? element.
1: Yeah, it's, n- it's not It's not. the whole song. It's yeah. it's the guitar tone Yeah, or the way the vocal sounds. It's the way they've, there's not just one vocal. Mm. Like they'll double track it or they'll,
0: Octave or something and I think at the end of the day actually as well is that like I came to this realisation like I remember I wanted I really wanted a vocal part to sound like a Michael Jackson thing yeah. and obviously other than double tracking it which yeah. is what he does a lot of
2: yeah.
0: I'm like it sounds like Michael Jackson because he's Michael Jackson and I'm not and <laughs> the record we're working on isn't as good as Thriller yeah. the actual song isn't as good the yeah. arrangement isn't as yeah. good so we can try and do it like yeah. that, but the reality is. But you haven't got Quincy Jones. Yeah, no one's Quincy Jones. <laughs>
1: like,
0: um Did you follow Rick Beato's yeah, channel? Yeah. He, he just did the thing with Steve Lukather. i am watched It's really yeah. good. But really interestingly, so. it's um, Beat It. Yeah. Someone messed up the tape on that. And they were only left with just the vocals. So the the vocals on one tape machine and all the all the rhythm section stuff on another tape machine. And oh. they got buggered. So they had to redo after the vocals, the whole rhythm track again. No way. So Jeff Boccaro plays drums on Beat It, which I didn't know. Yeah. And Steve Lukather plays guitar and bass on right. it. Right. And so they had to track it again, just the Michaels vocals with no click track. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow Oh, I didn't know that so
0: Steve so Jeff Picaro listened to the song and made his own click track with sticks
1: wow and then went
0: and re-recorded that's how good he was at drums yeah, and went yeah, and re-recorded I mean the rhythm tr- playing on that is phenomenal I mean that
1: track's incredible yeah I mean I'm a massive Michael Jackson
0: yeah fan. I love that all his stuff it's all real instruments
1: yeah
0: it's like oh, everything is all the drums yeah I guess when it the later like dangerous albums and stuff that's that is some, you know sample drums yeah. and stuff but like the early stuff it's all real drums yeah, and you yeah. listen to it and you go,
1: well you just don't get that. That's now.
0: phenomenal. But I'm
1: also a massive Whitney fan and it's like how stuff is sick. Yeah,
0: just... but that all that all that music like that Whitney Houston's music mm-hmm. and stuff like it takes way longer. What you know? Like I know I use some phenomenal musicians when when possible yeah it's more expensive and it takes longer yeah but the results are yeah greater I yeah. think but I get why people don't do it anymore because yeah. why would I record a real drum kit when, when I've can... got Ultimate Drummer well which to me sounds like crap anyway mm. mm. um, mm. I'm not really into I'm I, if I can record the live instrument I'm like let's do that oh 100% way better. 100%
1: um, yeah I'd much rather edit the live drummer than try and make programme drums sound
0: really. yeah although i've been fooled i've been really? fooled by by some stuff they mm. um i can't remember it's, it, it was it was a piece of software that like ultimate drummer and yeah. someone had spent ages programming it mm. i think they played it in themselves you... on electric drum kit
1: oh, okay and then so it's got the it velocities the it's got
0: yeah. yeah but then when you compare it to a real drum kit you go oh this sounds it doesn't sound worse depends on what sound you want yeah but it sounds different particularly stuff like cymbals
2: yeah
0: you can't you can't recreate symbols, can no. you i don't know how do you do no. that no. you know like so no. but um it sounds different but i think we're quite used to hearing fake drums now
2: like, oh yeah like
0: on rock records
2: yeah
0: like there was a record i think it was a blackstone cherry record i was listening to the other day
2: yeah
0: um and it is real drums yeah but it's so sampled that I was like, this might mm-hmm. as well be fake. Yeah. Because I can't hear actually any drums, no. normal drums in this. But then thing. a
1: lot of a lot of people will then sample over real drums. Yeah. So a friend of mine used to do loads of metal music mm. and they would then put snare samples mm. over everything.
0: Yeah. Just
1: by trigger. Just
0: So none of the actual audio, original audio is really so all So they they'll
1: keep the overheads. Right. Okay, and okay. then sample everything else. Okay. For timing or just like to get everything so tight mm. and like, especially metal music because it's so, I mean, it is so tight and consistent Yeah. that you need every kick drum to sound the same. Yeah. Well, within reason. There's yeah. variety of few, Yeah.
0: Mm. yeah. I don't It's not really my, my genre of, I do, I've done heavy music, but not any of that modern metal yeah. stuff. No, it's not really no, right. what, what I'm aware no, of right. how, how it's done. No. But, um, do you know that, uh, what's that Queens of Stone Age album? Um, Songs for the Deaf. Mm. In that one? Do you know how they did Very the drums big. for that? No. So it's got Dave Grohl playing drums, oh, yeah. which helps. Um <laughs> which <laughs> well, you well, know? Yeah, the best drummer in the world. Yeah, start with that. And they um they did the they did the cymbals separately. So he played the drums yeah. with like uh I think just triggers, like yeah. plastic, the plasticky things you hit. Yeah. Played it all in. Yeah. And so just recorded the kick, the snare and the toms. And then did cymbals. And then did cymbals separately. Interesting if you listen to the drums on that album the drums sound super super weird but the the hits on the the individual drums are like pristine Mm -hmm. sounds amazing Mm. Um, but I saw an interview with him he was talking about it he was like yeah it sounds good he was like but I'd never do that again because you can imagine trying to hit those things in time with what you've done previously no not at at all all. but I mean the drums do sound phenomenal on that album I quite often put on that album when I'm like Oh, what's what's music meant to sound like, yeah, sort of yeah. thing. But like, yeah, it's um, it's a whole nother world that 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 sort of ultra when I have things sounding ultra plasticky and yeah. well, not plasticky, but ultra, yeah. you know, sampled yeah. and and um, some some people really really want that in music. Oh yeah, um,
1: yeah.
0: It's not really my not my world.
1: No, I feel all. like my world is. I mean, I'd definitely rather do something acoustic, but then maybe that's maybe that's my theatre world as in mixing theatre well the musical theatre that I do everything's live yeah. as in and it's like vocals like yeah. musical theatre it's about the vocals
2: yeah
1: Um, and then blast them through and it's like speech. you literally yeah. can't edit it no like as in you have to obviously you're mixing on fly but it's like you're creating the way that people feel mm-hmm. in that moment about that certain song yeah and I think that's what I love about it and then in studio i want to try and recreate that as well mm-hmm. just like keep it raw but like make people feel something yeah with that
0: yeah yeah It's it you know, it's 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 um depending on the band it's all about trying in the studio it's like trying to keep something that sounds real yeah. but also produced yeah. at the same time yeah. and it's quite easy to go way too produced yeah. on Chris's album we just did there's a lot of stuff where he he did the guitar in the room with us yeah. because that's the he wanted that vibe. Of, yeah, yeah, He wanted to capture his solo yeah. at that moment, yeah. and he's a phenomenal guitarist. Yeah. So he can do it. Yeah, I th- I've definitely done stuff with bands where they've been like, "Let's do it all in the room," and I've gone, "That great idea." But are you ready? Yeah. Because if you 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 can't you, go you back. You
1: can't do it. If you if you do it live, you can't do it. Yeah. And especially if you're not doing it to a click track, yeah, and you're gonna get some sort of bleed from yeah, somewhere. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't do it.
0: But when you come across those bands who can do it, then it's incredible. It's like it's the best thing ever.
1: Yeah, who can then who can then jump in at certain moments if they've messed up something?
0: Yeah, but I think um, what is that phrase? Before we had pro tools, we had pros, and it's that thing that's like yeah, you know. And it's but like, then it's
1: also trusting your technical skills as well yeah that you can set it up in a way that is just going to sound great yeah yeah when they do it live
0: yeah absolutely yeah and um there's a lot you can do even in a, in in my little room like this mm-hmm. i've done stuff in here with guitar, the guitar amp in the room yeah the small amp yeah end of the room facing all the way from the donkey you'll be su- i'm surprised how little yeah bleed there is but then that's also of because
1: things. of your knowledge of mics as well yeah if you put the wrong mic up then
0: yep. you're going to get everything. Yeah, yeah, but absolutely. That's, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's you know I, I'm sort of from the old school of playing music, and you probably are as well because you spent ages practicing your instrument. Yeah. That like you don't go and record or you don't go and do a performance until you are well, you're ready. Ready. Yeah, and you have to perform it really well. Yeah, yeah. And that's slow to work. Yeah, and I yeah. think sometimes in the studio that's when some bands who aren't ready. Mm-hmm. That comes That mm-hmm. comes into, you know, that this or, person isn't ready to do or it. Or they're
1: used to playing gigs where you can't listen to it back. Yeah, yeah. And, like, if you're ready as a band and you sound great as a band, but then when you come to track stuff individually, your bassist can't get his part right, mm. then it. Then it's apparent, isn't
0: it? It is, yeah. 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 So um, the other thing I want to ask you about is yeah. this Project 7 thing, mm-hmm. which sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. So, and I think... Uh, my five listeners will want to <laughs> there's ten Helen my says... mum listens there'll be 11. Oh hi the, um, <laughs> the uh, be interested in that project seven
1: yeah so project seven is we run songwriting retreats um, and it's been set up for the last seven years creative director Lisa Fitzgibbon set it up project seven um, seven years
0: I like it <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> um, the retreats used to be run in Brighton And now we are collaborating with Rockfield Studios in Monmouth, in Wales, Um, the famous Rockfield Studios. Mm -hmm. So last year we went there for a week. We ran two retreats and a masterclass in the middle. So we'll have songwriters, musicians come to Rockfield and we get in headline producers, pretty big producers, Um, and we... Each each day on the retreat, they'll write, record, produce, mix a track. So it's one song every day, and then we'll switch the groups over, the um, switch the songwriters who are working with the producers. Um, so then they'll collaborate with a different group of people the next day to write another song, um, which honestly is incredible just to like see what people can do in that day.
0: And are they all working together? So
1: we tend to have maybe 12-ish, depends on each retreat, songwriters per retreat. Mm -hmm. And then they'll get split into groups of maybe three, four, five with the producer, which will then switch the next day. Mm -hmm. So they'll work in that group during that day. Sometimes we'll um, pick a featured artist. So they'll write for that featured artist because people come and they want material. Mm-hmm. to use on their next album or they want to release a song um or sometimes we write for a brief so they'll write a song for like if a song is needed for a sync deal or something okay. like that yeah um yeah so then they'll write for the artist they'll sing a lot of the people well are musicians anyway so we look at that whether they've got a variety of musicians in the room as well um but then also the style of the producer as well. So we've had Stu Jackson, who's Massive Attack's producer, um, and it's like, okay, which artist can work with him to like create something a bit different? Mm-hmm. And then we have a guy called Getham Pearson, who's worked with like Charlie XCX, um, who is very into production. Um, he's songwriter, musician himself, um, and the stuff he creates is incredible. Um, so yeah, it's just like all the musicians songwriters collaborating they'll then get records by the end of it um, I'm head engineer of Project 7 um, so I'll go in and sometimes engineer for the producers um, work with the writers in the room the most intense sessions because it's like at the start of the day you have nothing mm-hmm. and then by lunch you may have some sort of ideas and then you track stuff by the end of the day you have an incredible song
0: so they're mostly just tracking because I'm <laughs> the songwriters there's not like necessarily like drummers there
1: um no so it tends to be acoustic things Mm -hmm. um when we were in Brighton we took over a hotel and we made pop-up studios Mm -hmm. in the hotel rooms um so obviously they were limited with the instruments that they brought Mm -hmm. or whether the producer has software instruments whether they're a programmer Mm. um so it's the approach the producer wants to take, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas we're, when we're at Rockfield, um, one of the producers we had was Greg Haver, who is an incredible drummer himself. Mm. So he wanted to work in Studio One, which has the drum room.
2: Nice.
1: So he ended up drumming, creating some massive rock tracks, um, and he brought an engineer with him. Um, but that that's his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he like laid the drum track down from the start, mm-hmm. and then they wrote around that we had some idea before yeah. that whereas like Stu Jackson is more into like experimental things so mm-hmm. they they went in like the the reverb chamber and like recorded some vocals in there and like got out the spring reverbs got out the tape machine like honestly incredible
0: doing weird stuff
1: just doing weird stuff yeah yeah and then Gethin might do more like polished production but then the the like vocal production the effects like incredible
0: so do you i guess you've learned a lot right i learned Hanging so much on
1: yeah. on those retreats um and it's great for me just to like do something different and just like dip in and out of the rooms because i'll also get loads of content during that week as well mm. um and just like seeing what people can do mm-hmm. but then also i then go and problem solve as mm. well mm. just to like because the songwriters they're just there to songwriters essentially yeah so it's like making sure everything is working yeah um because then we'll also we're sponsored by prism sound as well so we'll get prism sound interfaces um and i'm lucky enough to have one in my studio as well um so it's making sure we know the equipment and yeah just getting it all working um because
0: prism sound interfaces what's (laughs) Um, what do you like about them? I have interest. I've heard of them but I've never used them.
1: Sound quality is incredible. Mm. And just like user friendly software, but yeah, the quality of them is incredible. Nice. Um Yeah. So we partner with them. Um but then also we partnered with PMC speakers, um, we get Roland keyboards in, um, we've had Audio Technica bring mics in. Awesome. It's just like the equipment there is incredible. Yeah. Um,
0: and as Rockfield probably has loads of stuff there already?
1: Rockfield has, has everything.
0: Tape machines. Exactly. Oh, yeah, just like yeah, their everything. mic
1: collection is incredible.
0: Because I don't know, is it still a, a working studio all the time? Oh, yeah. Is it?
1: They're packed. Wow. But they tend, because it's residential, they'll get in bands for a couple of weeks or whatever. Like mm. Paolo Nutini just did his last yeah. album there and things like that. Um, and there's
0: nothing around there, is it? It's well, like honestly, it's no a fun. distractions. Nothing. Yeah,
1: nothing. You walk out and there's some horses. Mm. Like it's you completely step away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: Fantastic. It's
1: it's a cool place. But yeah, Project Seven with yeah songwriting retreats and masterclasses and
0: yeah. And what 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 sort of things specifically have there been any sort of like game changing lessons you've learned? doing stuff there that you've learnt from other producers the way they do um,
1: things I think it's just like we're actually all very similar in mm-hmm. the in that maybe the thought process I might have in the studio of like I don't know it's realising that that people are quite similar in the way they work and it's like a reminder that oh hang on I do actually know quite a lot about mm-hmm. that
2: mm-hmm.
1: and being a producer engineer myself with other people it's like, oh, we might run into the same problems mm-hmm. as these people that that create massive records, mm-hmm. sell millions of records, who work with these incredible bands and then I might go and help them with something.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's like, oh hang on. This is actually really cool.
0: We're all in the same boat.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
0: Does it demystify I no, think so. And then separate, and then you hang yeah. out
1: with them after it, and like we just chat about stories and it's like they want to know about my stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, that's actually really cool. Mm. Um and like yeah they'll tell stories about their bands and stuff but it's just like seeing the different ways that they work and stuff it's like like everyone knows a hell of a lot but possibly not about everything mm-hmm. and it's like oh maybe i know more about that than oh maybe they do so
0: I've, i i find fun. it's interesting that i've learned that actually everyone has their the area that they're most comfortable in their specialities yeah, exactly and i used to fight that about myself yeah but and I you don't like, have to know no.
1: everything because when we get these producers in they they have their requests mm-hmm. as in I would like this I would like this because of this is the way I work mm-hmm. and like that's okay
2: yeah
1: and like it's okay to have that it's okay like you're gonna work your best when you're in your comfortable like environment mm-hmm. um and if you don't feel comfortable in the space you're you're not gonna get the most out of it yeah um so, yeah, that's what we do before we prep, like, the equipment that they want or, yeah, spaces.
0: I find that <laughs> I'm really comfortable with bands. Yeah. I love doing live bands because yeah. that's my, that's what I do for a living and yeah. it's what I'm comfortable with.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know how to do a trap song. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. It's not my area. No. And I And I've got to the point now where I'm like, I'm not going to pretend yeah. that I know what that stuff is. Yeah. I'm just going to do what But that's fine I'm and that's how they've
1: made, that's that's why they're the producers that they are. Yeah. Because they're really good at that.
0: Yeah, their thing.
1: You get the producers that can do everything, and mm. that's incredible. Yeah. But it's like, you are going to be better at one thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, Stu Jackson's records, they sound like Massive Attack. Yeah. It's like, that's his thing.
0: Yeah, that's way he is. it. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And like, when he's doing film scores and stuff, it's like, they want him because of that. Mm. It's like, they don't want him because of, oh, we could potentially create this. It's like, they know what he can create. Mm. Um... And it's just really interesting seeing that. And it's like, oh, hang on, they're not actually incredible at everything. Mm. They're a producer because they're incredible at that thing.
0: Mm. Yeah. And you get some of those old school producers who actually don't know how anything works.
1: Exactly. Which that's is when cool. I would then go in and engineer for them. Yeah. Because they just don't touch computers. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's interesting seeing that.
0: There's, I think that's a bit more old school. Uh, you know, I don't know, someone like Rick Rubin who just sits yeah. at the back of the room. Yeah. You know, that's quite cool.
1: But like, I think that's also what is a producer? yeah yeah because I feel like people now will say they're a producer when they a bedroom producer who sits and creates beats all day Mm -hmm. to me a producer is possibly more like Quincy Jones time Mm -hmm. where it is that person that sits at the back and be like turn that up oh hang on that bit needs that little instrument or something like that yeah yeah it's like what is a producer
0: yeah well now it's engineering and producing have become synonymous with each other yeah Whereas actually they're not the same jobs. No. And I've gone and done studio sessions with people who are great engineers. Yeah. Terrible producers. Yeah. Or vice versa. Or vice versa. Yeah. Um, because they're two different skills. Yeah. And if you're in a room with someone who's giving an opinion on something. Yeah. And it's not helping.
1: Yeah.
0: It's the worst. Yeah. It's the worst thing ever.
1: But it's also down to because of the accessibility of equipment. And mm. you can get incredible equipment now for cheaper which lets you do everything. It's like people are doing everything, but then maybe that puts down the people that have the incredible knowledge about engineering, mm. which other people just don't understand. Is it mm. because they just don't know about it? Yeah. And then possibly for us who are engineers, it's like people aren't now paying for engineers mm. because they can do it themselves, yep. because they don't understand Yeah. what, as in, they literally don't know what there is to know,
0: mm.
1: and it's like, yeah, it's a bit demoralizing sometimes.
0: I think engineering is mostly, I don't know if you agree, it's mostly listening. Yeah, and the concepts behind it are, I think, are actually quite simple. Mm-hmm. But it's doing something and then going, okay, does this sound good?
1: But it's but it but it's but it's simple because you have the knowledge.
0: True. Of that. It's only easy when you know how. Exactly. Yeah
1: and some people just get it hmm. some people i mean some people get away with doing it hmm. um but it's like they then don't understand why they would then pay for someone else
0: sure and i find uh, that i find this is a bit of a problem people recording stuff at home is great yeah but it's a problem with when you're going to get to let's say someone's done all the vocals at home yeah which i have no problem with yeah but when they've done it with a shit mic and yeah. they've done it badly yeah. and then they're like... I Why want, doesn't
1: it sound like this?
0: I want it to sound like the last Foo mm-hmm. Fighters record and you go, I, I can't mm-hmm. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And I think because I'm so used to recording things myself in yeah. my own studio yeah. that I don't often come against those problems because yeah. if you I've do- done it, then it then sounds you know good it's... from the beginning. Yeah. Um,
1: no, I've definitely come across that and that I've had a couple of records where i've been asked to i may have recorded them previously but then they have chosen to record it themselves now because of budget or mm. they've got the equipment or that sort of thing and then they've asked me to mix it and it's like hang on mixing this record is not the same as the last record
2: mm. because
1: the last record i recorded yeah and then you come across mixing this record where It it's just like firstly you have to understand what they've done and like then all the levels are all over the place And it's like it's actually a hell of a lot more work Mm. mixing this one, because it's not the sound that you created. Yeah, if that makes sense.
0: I find I don't know if you found this, but when I'm uh, when it's something that I've mixed and then sorry, something I've recorded and then I've mixed it. Yep. There's very little mixing to do because because you've prepped it. Yeah, the sound is what I wanted when I got it. Yeah. And if I'm eqing, it tends to be uh, what's the word Uh, additional eq. Yep. I'm not. Removing horrible sounds, no. I'm just going. Oh, it needs more top end, uh, and it's yeah. start, it's really fun because yeah. I'm just doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if someone Whereas sends if me you, something, you're
1: then trying to fix yeah. stuff, which it's like, hmm, hmm, that's harder.
0: It takes ages. Yeah. Because you're like, okay, there's a horrible frequency here, and there's yeah. one here, and I take yeah. this one out, and now it sounds. The same, and then it's same. like you it's might so like, as
1: well. And then I've and then I've had it where we've then re-recorded it. Yeah. Because you know you can then mix it better. Yeah. And it's like that's not the point. No. I'm happy to do it but then it's like oh hang on you're actually recording and then it comes into the whole like budget and it's like you then have to think about money and that's just the boring thing
0: yeah and I get I get it also it's
1: your job as in you're literally making a career out of this yeah if people don't understand that that's tricky
0: yeah
1: because this is literally our career yeah and we sometimes forget that because we love doing it Mm. otherwise we wouldn't do it yeah
0: yeah i i think um it's fair- i totally get why people have to do things for financial reasons percent. i i'm- I'm, su- I'm totally supportive of it yeah it's just it is challenging i yeah. think yeah. At, at times yeah um and some but i'm all th-
1: i'm all for people doing it themselves out of for various reasons mm. it's just if they if you've worked with them before then then I feel like it's sometimes well it's harder
0: yeah yeah, yeah yeah um it's and it, it's all uh i think for those people as well it's it's a it's it's a learning curve recording yourself as well yeah because people don't realize that actually a vocal might sound really weird if you comp together 42 takes yeah. of you yeah. <laughs> singing each word individually yeah. yeah you know you can see it they've yeah, sent yeah. it to you and you're just going yeah. this is why people shouldn't record themselves because yeah. it's it's yeah. uh it's chaotic yeah yeah okay it's really cool that that project seven stuff
1: yeah yeah that's really fun really
0: exciting mm. um i think we've probably talked for a long time <laughs> which is good because it's which is which is what we're here to do <laughs> so if people want to get in contact with you what, yeah. how do they do that
1: oh social media at indieB productions mm-hmm. um website com mm. or email me indie. IndieProductions.
0: Yeah. Your website is fantastic, by the way. I went on it today. Thanks. It's much better than my website. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I need to. I go redid check it. Mine. I
1: redid it recently. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's just so. It's just so hard to. I mean, all all our jobs are three people that we know. As in, yeah, yeah, a lot of them word yeah, of mouth, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's like you have to present yourself so that when people do come across your stuff, it's like you want it to be authentic, but. Also, show off what you've done, because mm-hmm. otherwise people aren't going to know, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, and it's just really hard, putting your best stuff forward is always challenging, I think, yeah, like because
1: it's just the world of social media, it's just like, oh, I mean I, I love yeah. it, I love social media, and I love creating content, but then sometimes you do have to i mean you have to big yourself up a little bit mm-hmm. and be like, "Oh, I've done this really cool project, oh, go and look at it, yeah oh, listen to this, yeah, yeah, um, otherwise you're just yeah, people don't know stuff
0: yeah i mean i'm never ever going to get into tiktok i've discovered i nope. don't think i'm ever gonna nope. do that <laughs> no ever. no but um you know you, you can just you just do what you can do i know some phenomenally talented people who yeah. don't get as much work as they should because they just don't want to spend their time yeah on social media yeah. and i get or it they're just too busy yeah yeah
1: doing the actual work
0: i wonder how some people have the time to do it do you ever look at some of these youtube people because people
1: make money out of it
0: and that's all they do it must yeah. be
1: but then you've got to get to that point of making money out of it. So you've got to create enough content at the start. Yeah. To then get enough views to then get paid.
0: I find it hard to enough it. to find the time just to do the the actual work, yeah. let alone be like Yeah. Oh, I do the 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 YouTube video yeah, about, yeah, because you know, if I do YouTube it's just a whole bloody day. Yeah. And I feel like that's the day I could be spend spend doing Earning some money. music. Yeah. <laughs> or doing yeah. 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 Doing some actual stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. But yeah, so oh, if people want to make a record with you, or they want you to do sound for them, Anything. or any of that stuff, yeah, um, then then they can contact you. Thank
2: you.